Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello, and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. My name is Lisa. I am your host. And today is actually going to be a solo episode again. I haven't done one of those in quite a while, but you guys have requested that I address particular topics again and that I just simply may make more of a theme-based podcast series over these next few weeks. And that's exactly what I want to do. I'm going to kick today off with kind of a basic episode which might seem boring to some of you especially those of you that have been nutrition coaching for a while or that might be coaches themselves however I still find myself getting similar questions even from people that may have some experience with nutrition or um, I also just think sometimes it can't hurt to have reminders of certain things or sometimes a different perspective on certain things so today is going to be about energy balance, so calories, what does it mean calorie in, calories in, calories out, what does it mean to be in a calorie deficit or a surplus, um, and just kind of the basics of why I personally really love flexible dieting. I know I've spoken about this numerous times before, but just reiterating by way of examples and so on. And then, of course, the next important thing, which is macros. Why we even pay attention to macros, why we can't just track our calories. And then more specific uh, specifics about each one of them, so protein, carbs, and fats. Before I really get into this episode, though, um, just again a reminder that if you do enjoy this show, if you enjoy the content, please share it. It is the best way to help us grow the show. If you share it on your social media, just a screenshot or simply a shout out or a rating on whichever app you're listening in. I really, really appreciate you taking the time you am trusting in, in, in me and my education. And let's get into the topic of energy balance. So what does flexible dieting truly mean? It means still eating 80 to 90 percent whole foods and that's the first spot where a lot of people say like what's whole foods what do you exactly mean by that because I mean technically speaking oats are still somewhat processed it's not like a whole food you don't actually eat the 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 grain itself without any treatment done to it but essentially by whole foods we mean things that are minimally processed so I would rather um, reframe them or you could also term them as single ingredient foods. So if you look, um, if it is packaged, ideally it wouldn't be packaged, you know, something like a vegetable or whatever. It's just like, it's just there. It might be cut up or it might be in a, a spinach in a bag or so. But, you know, generally speaking, an apple not packaged or a piece of steak, yes, it is probably packaged. <laughs> or you go to the butcher and you get it there. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not like a um, candy bar or so that's clearly in a wrapper. Um, so single ingredient foods, if it does have packaging, look at the back and then see how many ingredients it does have. So in general, we want to eat 90 to 80 to 90% whole foods. Um, that would be vegetables, fruit, nuts, seeds, fish, meat, eggs, but also your carbs, so things like rice, um, oats, etc. And then 10 to 20% uh, of flexible foods if you want to use them. For me, just having that wiggle room really 
um, provides a lot of freedom, really enables us to have a better relationship with food because it doesn't put a label on things as in being good or bad. And I am a person, like if you tell me I can't have something, I really want it even more. <laughs> so, you know, so just this little 10 to 20% wiggle, wiggle room um, is huge. So when it comes to energy balance, why would we want to track our calories? Well, if someone wants to maintain weight, they simply have to eat the same amount of calories as their body is burning. This is just the energy equation. Simple as that. If someone wants to lose weight, we technically have to eat less calories or fewer calories than what our body is burning. If we want to increase our weight, whether that be muscle mass or fat mass, we have to eat more calories than what our body is burning. These are like the foundations when people talk about weight maintenance, calorie maintenance, deficit, being in a deficit, being in a deficit means simply eating less calories than what your body is burning, being in a surplus means eating more calories than what your body is burning. Of course, the range here is huge because if you're simply 50 calories under what your body is burning, you're probably still not going to see a whole heck of a lot of change. Um, likewise, if you're reducing your calories by half, uh, it's just way too steep. So how steep this calorie deficit should be, we're probably going to talk a little bit, little bit more about this in a future episode on periodization, um, but we definitely don't want to go that drastic. Oftentimes, the more aggressive you approach your weight loss, the less likely the chances that the weight is actually going to stay off. In saying that, though, we do usually have to cross a certain threshold and until your body actually responds because if it's just, like I said, like three, uh, 50 calories or so under your maintenance, and again, maintenance is more of a range than an actual specific number, but if it's just a little bit under, it's just, it's just kind of like, let's assume you want to tap someone on the shoulder and tell them there is something. This is kind of like a little fly flying by and you're, you're not going to turn around because of that probably anyway. <laughs> um, but yes, so again, maintenance also is a range because your body's not exactly burning 1,972 calories every single day. It's probably, you know, somewhere for, for in that example, somewhere between 1850 and 2078, like just for example's sake. Um, then, of course, when people start tracking their food or if people don't track their food, that's usually like if people want to lose their weight, want to lose weight, and they are very um, aversive to wanting to track weight. Well, that's where uh, calories. That's that you can obviously lose weight without tracking your calories. Um, however, as a coach or even just as the person themselves, you're not going to have as accurate of a knowledge of how much in a deficit you are, um, like if your de deficit is too steep or not steep enough, if you're not tracking. That's point number one. Um, you are going to have to get into a deficit in one way, shape, or form. So if people lose weight on keto, that's because they're in a calorie deficit. If people lose weight by going vegan, that's weight because that's that's because they're going in a calorie deficit. They're, they're simply reducing their calorie intake overall. So whatever method you're choosing um, should be the method that feels least restrictive to you and also very important though um, that feels most sustainable to you because just simply saying I'm going to go on this diet or do this weight loss thing and then go back to my regular way of eating well you're probably going to gain some if not all or 
even more weight back. So just think, just that doesn't mean you need to stay or you should be staying in a calorie deficit. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But the style of eating should feel sustainable to you. Um, so again, also, we don't want to be in a calorie deficit for too long. Just roughly touching on this, some, we want to be at least at maintenance, if not in a surplus, for at least half of the year overall. We can count diet breaks and <clears throat> higher calorie days, such as, you know, if, if on the weekend or if you are in a calorie deficit Monday through Friday and then you're increasing back up to maintenance Saturday, Sunday, you can count those weekends towards your half a year in maintenance as well. And this is just really roughly speaking, because if you have a lot of body fat to lose, we can definitely be in a deficit for a little bit longer. If you have very, very little body fat to lose, your body might be rebelling even earlier. So if we just diet too much or if we constantly yo-yo diet, A, weight loss is going to get harder every single day or every single time, and B, your, it's going to affect your hormones, it's going to cause a very unhealthy relationship with food, and you're simply not going to enjoy life as much. That's really one of my main philosophies and things I want to teach people to enjoy life more, be it through food, be it through a healthier movement, just simply feeling better in their skin, just simply having not, not feeling so restricted. So if you're constantly in a diet uh, or dieting, that's probably not going to be the case. So if we start recording our food intake, we use a food tracking app for that. I personally have used MyFitnessPal. I have no affiliation with them whatsoever. I just have been using MyFitnessPal for over seven years, and it's just what I'm used to. It's free. I have the free version. I have never had to pay for it, um, and I don't ask any any of my clients to sign up for the premium version either, although, of course, you can get some extra um, little advantages uh, in terms of seeing macros per meal and so on but but still the free version is totally sufficient it does have its downsides when it comes to certain micronutrients there are definitely apps that are a lot better I'm certainly aware of that but I know if someone you know signs up for coaching um, they don't necessarily want to spend a whole lot of other money on other things associated with it. So if you just sign up on your own to one of those apps and you just want to give it a go, the first thing I always say is just track what you're currently eating without trying to be like extra good and monitor your weight for that week also. Then take your weekly average weight or see what your weight does over the course of the week and take the weekly average calories. And if your weight stays the same, essentially, then <clears throat> you can assume that this is roughly your maintenance calories. A really rough way of talking or thinking about it also is um, if we, and this is like, this is like the roughest way or um, method you could think of this. It's very inaccurate, but it can still be a, um, a starting point. So multiplying your weight uh, in pounds by anywhere between 14 to 16 is usually around about maintenance calories for the majority of people, unless you're very um, overweight or underweight. Um, anywhere from 10 to 12 times your body weight sort of thing is usually a calorie deficit. Um, and then 18 or higher times or 17 or up in terms of body weight is usually a surplus. But especially when it comes to the surplus, this is really like super vague. Um, there are a lot of other formulas that are a lot more accurate, such as the Harris-Benedict formula. That's one of my 
favorites that you want to be. So it basically helps you calculate your basal metabolic rate, and then you multiply that with an activity factor. Um, I would be cautious, even if you feel like you're being really active, don't opt for one of the higher and multiply factors and just go with the lower end of what you think in terms of activity just because um, otherwise, yeah, I, that, that would be my recommendation in any case. And so setting your calories is the first thing and of course deciding, do I want to be in maintenance? Do I want to go into a deficit or in a surplus? For the majority of people, I would highly recommend or one of the best things you can probably do is just try and learn to track and maintenance for a few weeks before deciding to go into a deficit. It just makes your life so much easier and a lot less stressful. Um, so once you've set your calorie target, then basically the next thing we want to set is protein. Uh, but just as a little add addition to that, when it comes to tracking, there are a few things that I want to point out. So we want to make sure we're tracking absolutely everything. Um, because a lot of people say, oh, I'm tracking macros doesn't work for me or hasn't worked for me. Well, oftentimes it is because we're setting the calories wrong or uh, because you're not tra tracking diligently enough. If you're always just estimating and you have never weighed things out before, please use a kitchen scale for as much as you can, especially when you are at home. It's going to be super eye-opening, like really, especially when it comes to oils, dressings, sauces, um, even nuts and seeds, how easily they add up insane or nut butters, things like that. Like really try to be super, super accurate, even the creamer in your coffee, um, anything like that. And sometimes when it, when you go to a restaurant, uh, you might not even notice any like small seeds or, or cheese that they've added to things. So it can actually help taking pictures of things. And then just later that, that a also means you don't need to be logging at the table, but it also prevents you from trying to remember later on what was actually on the plate. And you might've missed the little bit of ketchup or mayo that there, that was on there also. So yeah, making sure you account for everything and at this stage, really don't pay any attention to your calories burned. My fitness pal might ask ask you for that or might ask you to connect your activity tracker. And, and I would highly recommend not to do that because it also uh, kind of creates an unhealthy relationship with exercise. And you feel like it, it, it just overestimates the exercise that you are or the calories that you're burning through exercise. And then you might create the thought of, oh, okay, I can eat that back through XYZ. Whereas if you just use the Harris Benedict formula and you multiply it with an activity factor, that's already in there. So do not, do not connect your fitness tracker is my um, advice to you here. Um, so just as a basic understanding here, the calories that you end up with in the day are essentially created uh, or calculated with the individual macros. So calories is just a measure of, of, of energy. It's essentially how much energy can your body um, get, out of, get out of a certain food. Um, and we can, the calories can consist either of protein or can come into existence either through protein, carbs, or fats. They each have a different amount of calories per gram. So one gram of protein is around about four calories. Same for carbs. Fats has about nine calories per gram. So it's a lot more energy dense. The fourth 
thing that we have which is not actually a macro uh, or which is not actually a food would be ethanol would be alcohol and um, so if you are logging alcohol um, and the alcohol log in this food tracking app is showing you zero carbs zero protein zero fats that's actually accurate as long as it's still displaying calories <laughs> um, it's just because alcohol or ethanol is is or yeah alcohol is technically technically neither fats nor carbs it is something called ethanol which has seven calories per gram but that's a story for a different day when we're going to get more into alcohol I do want to speak more about the individual macros. So why do we want to pay attention to the individual macros? Well, <clears throat> the the important, the very, or actually the most important part here is that by paying attention to the specific macros, we can manipulate more what your body is either gaining if you're in a calorie surplus or what your body is losing if you're in a calorie deficit. So essentially, we can adjust our body composition, the amount of lean versus fat mass that we have. And pretty much everyone wants that. I mean, even though, or even if people are really scale focused and number focused, I would, pro I would likely say that not one of them would say, oh, I don't really care if at the end of it, uh, I'm 130 pounds and flabby or 130 pounds and lean looking right and even just from a health perspective we want to have less body fat or ideally um, we want to have this again very roughly and generalized uh, depending on, on gender also but men we you likely want to aim for somewhere between like 10 to 15 percent of body fat and women like around about 20 or between yeah something something like that if we want to be lean um, and therefore, how do we, or why is, is why are macros important in order to do so? Well, if we're simply not consuming enough protein or not strength training, then we're not sending any signals for our body to actually keep the lean body mass. And it's going to want to get rid of the quote-unquote cheapest tissue first because fat is a lot, um, or protein is a lot more, energy expensive like it it requires more it's more high maintenance for your body than um keeping fat around like fat is not very demanding when it comes to energy requirements so if you're not sending a signal to your body to keep or even build muscle mass by the way of consuming protein or strength training it's probably going to get rid of that a lot faster and there are so many studies showing that people that consume less protein in a dieting phase versus people that consume sufficient or a good amount of protein in the dieting phase, they always lose more muscle or more mass from muscle um, than those with higher protein. Also, on top of that, protein is really the macronutrient which is most satiating and helps us decrease cravings. It helps us recover from training better. It's great for mental health, for stabilizing blood sugar, and all these things become even more important in a calorie deficit. So when you're not consuming as much as your body would technically like, it is also least likely to be stored as body fat because it is harder to break down in, in terms of chemical structure and because it's harder to break down um it is it is also the macronutrient with the highest thermic thermic effect of food that means your body needs more calories to just break it down for whatever it needs in the body 
and then it needs to break down carbs or fats. So a lot of reasons for us to be consuming sufficient protein. So what's actually a sufficient amount of protein? It is somewhere, or we're usually setting it somewhere around about 0.7 to 1.2 grams per pound of goal body weight. You can probably get by with just a little bit less than that, maybe like 0.6 gram per pound of gold body weight. But again, considering the benefits of everything I have just said, why wouldn't you want to go a little bit higher or at least in an in optimal range? And also, if you have it on the lower side, the quality and the timing become a lot more important. Whereas if you have it in the right range, so around about one gram per pound of gold body weight, um, you're just kind of erring on the safe side of caution and you don't need to be quite as diligent about, okay, am I pairing my amino acids properly? Because the chances you're getting the right amount of amino acids and the right kind of amino acids are just a lot higher or am I timing this properly and so on. So yeah, my recommendation usually is setting it around at, a, at about one gram per pound of gold body weight, depending on where you're coming from. You know, if you're someone who generally really likes high protein foods. Um, this is probably easy for you. If someone is vegan and they're struggling as it is, um, I might give them, throw them a little bit of a bone and keep it on the slightly lower side. Although sometimes when we go into a dieting phase, we kind of want to push it to the higher side again for the satiation and mu muscle retention kind of reasons. So it varies, but generally speaking, no matter your phase, if you're sitting around about one gram per pound of gold body weight, that is usually a good spot to be. And the majority of people that start with macro tracking, they usually realize, and I have also shared this before, but they usually realize, hey, I'm not getting enough protein. You might be thinking you're getting enough, but the majority of people, or 85% of people we start working with, they do not get an, enough protein when they're not tracking. Ideally, we kind of want to spread protein out relatively evenly across the day. Um, a lot of people have a higher protein dinner and not so much in the earlier half of the day. You don't, it's okay if that's a little bit, um, it's not, if it's not quite evenly spread out. However, I'll always say I want to see at least 20 grams of protein in each one of your main meals, especially in your breakfast, like as you're breaking your fast, like the first thing that you're eating in the morning is so important for regulating that blood sugar throughout the day. Um, so that's really, really important to me. And then, of course, um, in your dinner is great. Around your training is great. So, you know, just by explaining at what times of the day it is good, um, it kind of makes sense to have at least 20 grams in each one of your meals. And even in your afternoon snack, if you have a snack um, to, like, carry you through until dinner, that can be super, super helpful as opposed to those cravings coming up and you having something sweet and then you're just even hungrier for dinner or you're pushing through until the afternoon until dinner um even though you're super super hungry in the afternoon and you're coming home and you're just eating anything inside not ideal at first when people want to increase their protein intake but they struggle to keep their calories low or stay within their calorie window um it's really helpful to just lean on to lean on lean protein sources to focus on lean protein sources. So what I mean by that, um, things like chicken breast, white fish, seafood, low fat dairy, um, egg whites, protein powder, or for the vegans out there, something like textured soy protein, um, super helpful. And just if you're currently already consuming 
protein sources, but they tend to be fattier. So like switching your chicken thighs for chicken breasts, switching your salmon for tilapia, switching your full fat dairy for low fat dairy. Or if you have um, scrambled eggs for breakfast, just having one whole egg and the rest egg whites, that type of thing really helps as well as just reducing the oils in cooking um, and fats from condiments and sauces to make room for that increase in calories from protein essentially um so yeah to round off that it's not really first topic but before i get more into carbs and fats also just the reiteration here that we really don't need to be hitting our targets exactly so if you're if your protein is set at 135 grams um you don't need to be hitting that every single day exactly but getting within 80 to 90 percent of that 80 to 90 percent of the time is absolutely spot on so if you get you give yourself a range of like okay i'm gonna get somewhere between 125 and 145 and if one day of the week you're only at 110 that is awesome that is really, really awesome. Don't beat yourself up. Don't let that be a day where you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to track at all anyway. It's just, I've already had pizza and some bread. Just track and still try to be within your calories if you can. Or even there, if you're going over, you know, it's one day. So don't, don't think you need to be aiming for perfectionism just because it's like accurate numbers or it's a numbers game in general. And still try to kind of be graceful with yourself and just know that what you're doing the majority of the time is the most important thing. So the next uh, macro that we want to set, usually when we're setting ourselves up in fitness power or whatever app you're using, would be fats. The reason we're using fats or setting fats next is because it's also an essential macronutrient, meaning your body cannot um, synthesize or, or create it on its own without you consuming it. It is... Um, it should be at least at about 25% of your total calories. So we want to set a minimum range. In terms of how far up it goes, it depends on your personal preference to a large extent. Like if someone wants to go, um, well, not really keto, but you know, very. If you, if you love nuts and seeds and salmon and you really couldn't care less for potatoes or breads or oats, then be my guest and increase your fats. Um, I'll talk more about the benefits of carbs or why having, not necessarily high, but having a good amount of carbs in your diet can be very helpful in a second when we get to the carbs. Um, but fats also have a lot of benefits. So we that's why we do want to have a minimum range. And those diets that came out of the 90s when it came to um, well, and all the, I guess, the, the diet foods are very, very low-fat product, products, and everyone would just cut completely fats out of the diet. That's what they, they, They're simply not helpful specifically for hormone, hormone health because fats are very much involved in hormone production regulation. They are also a good energy source for longer duration exercise sometimes. They, they really um, are somewhat of a, like I, in a car engine I like to, or in a car I like to compare the fats to the engine oil. Like it does keep things running smoothly, but it's really not designed necessarily in most cases unless you're keto adapted 
for most energy utilization, but it's helpful for, let's just say, if you're sitting, if you're standing, that kind of thing, that's probably going to come um, from, from fats here. So we want to set it at at least 25% of the total calories, um, or you could also uh, kind of translate it to at least 33% of your body weight in pounds and grams of fat. Um, so off the top of my head, if someone were weighs like 130 pounds, that would be like a minimum of about 40 grams of fat as a minimum, again, as I said. Um, there are four types of fat. We have the trans fats, which are in many processed foods, which really should be limited as best as possible. So they're to be found in like commercial ice creams or frozen pizza, um, cookie cookie dough or whatever that you can purchase in the chilled section, that sort of stuff, um, mostly in processed foods. If you keep with the theme of keeping your processed foods to 10 to 20%, you're going to be probably in a sweet spot for, or you're going to be in a, in a good spot and it's nothing you should be worried about or super stressed out about. The next type of fat is saturated fats. They're mostly found in animal products, um, but also in coconut. So they're usually solid at room temperature. There have been a lot of debates in recent years more around it and people claiming that they have huge health benefits, which can be uh, discussed or I guess contemplated. But even if there are small health benefits to some saturated fats like MCT oils or coconut oil, and um, we still want to moderate them, the research just is um, is just very conclusive that we shouldn't overdo it on saturated fats in terms of heart health and general cardiovascular health. So I would usually say this should make up no more than 20% of total fat intake. So these are your saturated fats. Trans fats can, can be as low as possible or non-existent. Um, then we move on to our healthy fats, which are the monounsaturated um, and the polyunsaturated. So monounsaturated fats can be found in avocado and nuts and seeds, and we absolutely want more of that, um, especially in the form of omega-3. The polyunsaturated fats would be uh, the omega, omega-3s. Sorry, did I say omega-3? And especially in form of omega-9 for monounsaturated. <laughs> Excuse me. So polyunsaturated fats would be found in fatty fish and sunflower seeds and walnuts and Again, we want more of those, especially the omega-3s. And polyunsaturated fats are also found in omega-6s. But in our diet, we already consume quite a lot of omega-6s. Um, so we don't really need to get, go out of our way consuming more of them. In an ideal world, we'd have um, omega-3 to omega-6 ratio of somewhere like one to one or <laughs> like one to four at least but in most people it people's diets it's more like one to 20 for the omega-6s so we we're better off going out of our way trying to consume more omega-3s or supplementing with omega-3s um moving on from there um so like i said Calories from fats do add up more quickly than we often think. So just monitoring or when people start off tracking macros, they often realize, oh, wow, I did not realize that by pouring like three tablespoons of oil in the pan to fry up my chicken because it makes it really nice and crispy and tastes delicious is going to add an extra 
350 or whatever calories to my meal in comparison to air frying that same chicken. So paying attention to that, paying attention to dressings and sauces and condiments, especially because they're often containing unhealthy fats, unless you're making your own dressings and sauces. In restaurants, we can generally assume that they're using the cheaper oils or butters and, and so on. Um, so really be mindful of that and hear the advice or the recommendation to often or almost always ask for the dressing on the side, sauces on the side, for looking out to look out for things that say steamed, boiled, or because even with grilled things, they're usually going to be marinated or still cooked in oil unless you ask for it. People put oil on the grill in order to make things crispier, taste better. The restaurant's main aim is for foods to taste good. It's not for you to be as healthy as possible. I wish it was, but it's not. <laughs> um, Nonetheless, like I alluded to, we don't want to keep fats out of our diet completely. They help slow down digestion and make you feel full for a little bit longer. Um, we do want that, uh, unless it is around training times. Around training times, we want to keep fats low. So if you have a higher fat, higher protein breakfast, that is great, unless training in the morning and then it's your post-workout meal then something like oats and protein powder would probably be a better choice than um, scrambled eggs with avocado and some ground turkey for instance when it comes to omega-3s just one last note i'm really looking out for the right kind or a good brand as well as um, the right ratio or the a good amount of dhea and epa as opposed to ALA, which um, is just a omega-3 fatty acid that first has to be transcribed into DHA before it can be used. And only about 15 to 20% of the ALA actually do get converted. So it's really calorically expensive considering what you actually get out of it. Now, lastly, on to the beautiful carbs. So that's what we're going to say last in our MyFitnessPal. And of course, this is simply going to make up the remaining calories that you have left once you have set your protein, once you have set your fat target, fill that up. I would advise you to keep the fat on the lower side if you are someone who is um, wanting to strength train and build muscle at the same time, or if you have a very intense exercise in there. Um, also, if you are very stressed, you tend to be stressed um, or easily shaky and, um, it, and struggling with sleep. Carbs, especially at night, can help a lot with sleep and stress management. Of course, we want to ensure that it, um, it comes mostly from healthy carbs, from vegetables, fruit, whole grains, um, just also because they contain more micronutrients and fiber. Um, and even though fats are more involved in hormone production... A good amount or the right carbs also help with hormone optimization and like I said not just training performance but also your ability to think at work or um, just any kind of cognitive performance however there the caution again really to pay attention to good quality carbs because if we just have a huge um, chicken fried rice for lunch you're probably going to get quite sleep an hour or two later <laughs> um, so if we go into a calorie surplus I and your main aim is muscle building, I would probably increase carbs first, 
depending on, of course, how low your fats were prior. But still, if we go into a calorie deficit and your fats are already simply are already at the baseline of what we said, 25% of total calories, then carbs are going to be the next thing that we cut from. We never really cut from protein. Um, now, generally speaking, carbs are split into simple carbs and complex carbs. That doesn't mean that simple carbs are bad or that we should stay away from simple carbs. Simple carbs just means they're more easily broken down and it's, it's actually more referred to its chemical structure. But the simple way to, the easy way to think about it is that simple carbs are easier to be broken down by the body. Therefore, they don't take as long to digest, um, which is great around training once again, um, or even at night, especially if we don't want to go to bed with a full working stomach. Um, but in the middle of the, the day, we either want to limit carbs or just stick with the complex carbs. So complex carbs would be more things like um, whole grain rolled oats or um, also like just any kind of other whole grain essentially um, and starches as well but simple carbs would be simply like white rice and um, a wrap or yeah something like that that's just more easily broken down. You'll also notice that in terms of satiation. Um, the classification also occurs in the sense of what response it has to raise or lower or raise blood sugar if it's if you just consume a simple carb on its own without any um, protein or fats it's going to raise your blood sugar a lot more a lot quicker and then it's going to have a steep drop afterwards so if you just if you wake up and the first thing you have in the morning is a slice of toast with jam you're going to be pretty sleepy again like an hour later and very hungry probably too we really want to again break our fast with protein and fats but also if we have simple carbs and it's not around our training we certainly want to add some fats to it if we have simple carbs and it is around our training just really make sure you're having your protein with that too um, but when it comes to carbs I really uh, want to make sure we're also not a we're moving away from thinking of them as really good or bad um, and thinking of them as a being off limits. We, that's why we have our beautiful macros. We can play with it. We can have a slice of pizza or um, gummy bears or whatever we like from time to time. There's nothing quote unquote bad around that. Just make sure you're getting your fiber through other things earlier in the day or that you're loading up on even more vegetables and even more protein um, in order to balance that out. So in, in order to actually like hit the right amount of protein and carbs and fats, it is so, so helpful to plan ahead and to just think a little bit in advance. Um, I don't want people to overthink carbs and fats, though. The most important thing by far that you can do is tracking your calories and your protein. And if carbs and fats vary all the time, as long as you are staying within your calorie window um, and, and hitting that protein, that's really the most thing you can do, the best thing you can do, uh, the most important thing. And you will already see a lot, a lot of um, progress with just that. So if the concept of hitting all your um, macros, all three of your macros all the time overwhelms you, just start with calories. And then after a few weeks, start focusing on protein. And that might be enough for you. Or maybe at some point you just you do want to get a little bit more into the weeds and see that you're supporting supporting your training and your hormones as best as you can. And then paying a little bit more attention to carbs and fats might be helpful also. But in the meantime, overall calories 
always matter the most. Calories are king, protein is queen, and we have the other two macros, which are really good supporters. Um, one point that I forgot to mention about fiber is if it, it is very, very um, individual. Some people are going to do great digestively with um, a higher amount of fiber versus others with perhaps some existing digestive issues um, like IBS or um, SIBO or so. Um, but on average, if we aim for about 10 to 15 grams per 1,000 calories consumed, that's a really good level to aim for. So if someone is on 1,500 calories, getting in around about 20 to 25 grams um, of fiber is a really great spot. Now, of course, if someone is on 4,000 calories, their fiber should be a lot higher. Um, but yeah, again, very large individual range there. Um, nonetheless, it can actually be worked up. You can increase that. You can, if you're currently only consuming 5 to 10 grams on average, that's also something, by the way, that you can look up in my fitness pal how much fiber you're consuming. But if you're just getting 5 to 10 grams, don't shoot up to 30 right away. You're going to be quite constipated for some time. Um, pre and probiotic foods can also potentially fall under the category of carbs or especially prebiotic foods because they're usually... Um, fibrous foods. So in order to support our digestive tract even more, trying to implement some pre and probiotic foods such as sauerkraut or kimchi, kombucha, and for probiotics is a really great idea on top of some prebiotics um, or like fibrous foods. Um, that's really the, the little I guess, a dot on the eye for the little extra you can do. I don't want to go more into detail. I think I've given you enough information. If you want to start off tracking macros or if you're still questioning why should we be tracking macros or how can I adjust my own macros in the future, how can I set someone else up um, to start tracking macros, this would be how. If you have any questions or feedback, about this, I would love to hear. Head over to my Instagram, send me an email, um, and we'll be continuing the series with more topics such as periodization, free meal frequency, and timing. And I hope that you enjoyed it. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nutrition Coaching and Life or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.